When it comes to investing, retirement, taxes, healthcare, and estate planning, the decisions you make today can greatly affect the quality of life for you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight and unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your retirement and financial future. Good news. You found Premier Retirement Radio with Jeff Fogan. Jeff is the founder of Premier Retirement Planning and Wealth Management, and he's been guiding people financially and into retirement for 30 years. So get ready for an hour of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Premier Retirement with Jeff Vogan. And now here's Jeff Vogan and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Premier Retirement with Jeff Ogan, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Jeff Ogan, founder and president of Premier Retirement Planning and Wealth Management. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well, too, Jeff, as always, and I hope our listeners are doing well. Good to be with him and all the fine people here of the greater Tucson area. We have an information-packed show lined up for you today, so get ready to listen to the most stimulating hour of Financial Talk Radio that you will probably hear all weekend. Let's start with current events. Jeff, I understand that Fed Chair Powell is prepared to raise interest rates further if needed. I thought we were done with this stuff, but according to the recent meeting that he had in Jackson Hole, Wyoming... He says, wait a minute, I may not be done. What's your take on that? Well, you know, I don't think I've ever been quoted as saying I thought we were done. I think the Fed needs to raise interest rates and rein in. I think they will probably end up overstepping or overshooting. However, you know, their goal is to slow the economy enough which is a hard job to do when you've had $30 trillion of debt pile up. I mean, that's a total debt and, you know, another eight or 10 in just the last few years, uh, you know, be injected into the economy. And unfortunately, that doesn't go into the poor people's hands that don't have enough. It goes into people that are middle class and, you know, wealthy in many cases who receive all this extra stimulus money and they treat it, it's discretionary. So what do they do? Well, shoot, they've already bought enough houses. They've got enough cars. They've got enough stuff. And so they put it in the market. So every time you buy, you force the market up. So we've had this kind of unrealistic and unreal rise in the stock market, which you know, has created even more wealth, which means there's more stuff people can buy. And it really does stimulate the economy. However, it doesn't really you know help the greater good, if you want to consider the middle and lower class, it just helps the economic numbers and it makes whoever's in the White House look like a hero because look what we did. We saved the economy from failing. Look at how great the market's doing. And, you know, Trump did it too. And the market uh, did really well, but there was also a few underlying economic factors that did well too, like real wages were actually growing. GDP was actually growing. Right now, GDP is growing at a snail's pace compared to what the inflation rate is. I mean, we've had about 20% inflation over the last couple of years if you compound it and add it all up, and it's still growing at a rate in excess of 4%. They want to get it down to two. How do you do that? You have to slow the economy. How do you do that? You have to take money out of the economy. You have to create a situation where it's harder and harder to get easy money. You know, 0% or 2% interest rates to get uh, mortgage loans was easy money. You know, free interest rate on credit cards, easy money. Now that money is hard to get. Banks are scared to lend. They're scared to lend at 6 and 8% on mortgages uh, yesterday. Wow. So, you know, that's my son's in the mortgage business. We do mortgages uh, out of our you know, Mesa office when, you know, when the rates are good and when people actually want to buy a house and take on a mortgage or we do reverse mortgages. So we, we do keep in touch with uh, what mortgage rates and what people are having to pay for money. And, uh, you know, banks are scared to loan money. 
they're uh, glad to give you 4% or 5% on a CD so you won't take your deposits away so that they don't have to uh, start collecting uh, more assets in order to stay in business because banks will fail if deposits leave the bank. So they're in a pinch. They can't loan money at 8% because nobody will buy a house. A middle-class person can't afford a $600,000 house at 8% mortgage rates if they don't have you know cash laying around, and most people don't. So only the rich are able to buy the houses. You know, the uh, price of homes keep going up. So the inflation is real. It's still going up. And that was funny. I heard a quote, both Biden and Kamala Harris said it in the last uh, few months or a few days, actually. And that is, you know, oh, Bidenomics is working. You know, wages are up and inflation is down. Inflation has gone down for the last 12 months in a row. Mm. No, it's it's like, you know, a fat person. I think you you came up with this analogy, you know, a fat person gaining weight. Okay, I'm obese. You know, I was gaining weight at, uh, you know, eight pounds a month. Now I'm only gaining weight at four pounds a month. But I must be losing weight because my yeah. weight gain is going down. My no. weight gain is not going down. My weight gain is still going up. I'm still getting more and more obese. Mm-hmm. Our economy is getting more and more obese and sluggish because of the inflation and the pressures that it puts on. Now, thankfully, for many companies and for the you know high-end product type companies, rich people will keep spending money, especially when they got richer and richer over the last 10 years. But what does that do to the actual economy? And I, I've quoted Ray Dalio a few times in the recent past, and I, I read quotes and stuff, what he's saying, because I'm really interested in what some of the smartest people on the planet say. And here's a comment that I got from one of uh, the newsletters that I read just a couple of days ago. It says, uh, this is Ray Dalio, biggest hedge fund manager on the planet. I think he's probably pushing 80 years old-ish. I don't know. I haven't seen his birthday or been to any of his parties. But um, anyway, I still think he's a really smart guy and he knows about history. He says, what is now happening hasn't happened before in our lifetimes, but has happened many times throughout history, typically just before civil wars. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Uh, what's happening right now is what usually happens before a civil war. Well, mm. gee, is there any division and divisiveness going on in the world today? Oh, how about our own country? Yeah. How about uh, between political parties? And sure. they're trying to stick that knife as a wedge between us and those people that are the, uh, oh, just give it to me free and let the government take care of me. You know, the democratic position, which is typically, uh, you know, take from the rich, give to the poor. And then the rich and the people that are actually working hard for a living say, wait, wait a minute, man, can't we just have a good economy that works for everybody? You know, I can hire more people if you just let me keep all that money you're taking in taxes. Uh, I can uh, create a better business model and keep more people happy and let them actually have pride and ownership of their own job and their own uh, well-being. But yeah, you know, I think the one party wants to take that away from them. The other party wants to, to push that. Capitalism does work. We've proven it. But uh, they're trying to take capitalism away and pretend that there's some elite group of people that can dictate, you know, who gets what, how it's spread out, and they can print money anytime they want through modern monetary theory, uh, which is really just who cares print money it'll never catch up to you in other words kick the can down the road you're not going to be in the office forever and then by the time you die and retire you're going to have it kick down the road and it'll be somebody else's problem well guess what it's going to be somebody else's problem here's the rest of the quote what's now happening hasn't happened before in our lifetimes but has happened many times throughout history typically just before civil wars in my opinion this is ray dalio speaking this is a very big bad deal Yet most people are quietly going along with it and ignoring it. Like, how? You know, they are because, well, because the lower middle class needs their subsidies and, uh, you know, needs to be basically beholden to the government, unfortunately. They've created that scenario where, you know, that gets them votes and it, you know, I guess gives them purpose and gives them uh, some sort of uh, standing as, as being relevant, right? It makes them relevant. But um, what about all this debt? Why are the the wealthy people going along with it? Well, because they keep getting wealthier and wealthier through certain kickbacks and programs that government is subsidizing, maybe. Not everybody, but there's just a lot of corruption and crap going on out there that's uh, exacerbating a problem that should be fixed 
with just becoming fiscally responsible. You know, banks, governments, and everybody else. But they've learned to not be fiscally responsible because this new money printing scheme has been working and making all the rich people that put these people in office richer so they can continue to put them in office. It's really just a, a it's unfortunately, it looks like a very self-serving agenda to those people in power. It is not self-serving. It's definitely not serving the American people as it should. But, you know, it's creating a very weird market where fundamentals used to be somewhat involved in making financial decisions. I mean, I just can't get off of that rock. But people just keep throwing money at the market regardless. I mean, you've got, you know, NVIDIA trading at 250 times earnings and they surprise earnings on the upside. Well, it's already overvalued by like four or five times what it ought to be trading at based on current revenues and even projected earnings. So the earnings go up a little bit and the surprise and the, the stock jumps, you know, five to 10 percent in a day. What is that? So it's already way overvalued. So now it's just not as overvalued. So it's only 3.9 times more expensive than it should be instead of four. Really, come on. But people are buying just for the sake of buying. And there's really no rhyme or reason as to what's driving this market other than all this money that's been printed. So I think even Ray Dalio, you know, is a little bit surprised or a little bit scratching his head a bit like, well, this is not really what everybody's just going along with it. The markets used to react to bad things and kind of the market would fix itself, but it's not right now. So so kind of interesting scenario, kind of interesting world that we're in right now. Uh, we do have higher interest rates on safe money. That's a good thing. I'll talk more about that as we get into the case of the week and what I want to cover there. But it's just an interesting world we live in. You can be a real speculator and go out and swing for the fences and hit a few home runs. But man, you're going to lose the game if you keep doing that, I think, in, in the long run. So we got to be safe. We got to be smart if we're at least approaching retirement. So when it comes back to how this all affects the people that I most often serve, and that is those people getting close to retirement and retirement is more of a preservation factor. It's like, you know, you want to swing for the fences, be speculative. Man, this is an aggressive strategy being in the market right now. But even Ray Daly and the smart people say, whoa, you know, let's be cautious. And back to your Fed question. There used to be a saying when I started in the market, it was follow the Fed. Whatever the Fed does, just know that it's going to affect the market. The Fed raises interest rates, it's bad for the market. Don't be going long. Don't be buying into this. Be defensive and wait for this market correction to kind of run its course and then get back in the market at a better time. It's not market timing. It's just, well, I mean, you know, if you're just a really long-term investor, you have a 40-year horizon. If you're dollar cost averaging in and you don't have a lot of money, it's, it's not a big deal. But if you got millions of dollars on the table and you don't want to lose half of it just to wait five years for it to come back, you got to take some of those profits off the table when the Fed says they're going to raise interest rates and put pressure on the market, right? So there's certain times when you have to be a little bit more vigilant with your money and take some of those profits off the table. And I think it's uh, still a good time to do that in spite of that fear of missing out when we see the market do some irrational things like it's doing lately. This past week, Jeff, some reports came out that said consumer sentiment was up. But of course, as you said, mortgage interest rates are up too. I mean, they're 7%. In some cases, they're 8%. How does that affect people that are looking to maybe downsize or how does it affect the economy in general when housing prices are up like this and, and mortgage rates are so high? Well, I think the re main reason that, mortg that mortgage rates are high because, you know, they want to put pressure. They don't want to make lending easy because they're scared of the default rates. You know, this GDP growth, gross domestic product growth lately, has been largely fed by credit card debt. The credit card debt has been growing at, uh, you know, unprecedented levels. The default rates are picking up. You know, banks are not collecting, you know, what they normally would. People are basically just using the minimum payment and interest trying to make ends meet and get through this, you know, recessionary period 
because it really is recessionary for, say, the lower half of the economic spectrum for the people that, you know, are still low to middle income earners. So there's still some difficult things going on. Now, if those people who are living paycheck to paycheck and just trying to get by and borrowing money, you know, at 30% on a credit card, the last thing they're going to do is go out and buy a house at 8%. They can't afford it, nor can they qualify for it. So they're not buying the houses, you know, and banks don't want to lend to them. So they want to kind of price them out of the market. I think it's just natural to do that. Fed rates are higher. They have to borrow money at a higher rate. They have to make a bigger margin. They're afraid of defaults and foreclosures. And, you know, they just want to go there. So interest rates are high. Now, the rich people, if they're selling properties, a lot of them have already paid down their mortgage. They either can afford the interest or they can afford to just pay cash. So some people are downsizing, but they're they're selling a house and buying with cash. So they don't really care about interest rates. But I think it also is why the middle class can't really afford to sell what they have and upsize or downsize. Because if you've got a 2% mortgage on a million dollar house, you can't even buy a half a million dollar house for 8% downsize and get a better deal when it comes to your cash flow. So they're kind of stuck. And so the thing that's creating that pressure on real estate prices is really just a lack of supply because what are people going to do that sell their houses? There's about, you know, half of the economic sector that, you know, the, the middle, like I said, the middle and lower middle class that uh, may have homes, but, or want homes that can't afford homes. You really can't, they're, they're out of the market. It's just, you know, the, some of the investors, there's still a few fix and flippers that are in business doing some things, but they're living on much tighter margins than they used to because, you know, they're not getting 10% growth in the real estate year over year growth. It's only up to what, two to 4%, depending on the market you look at. So real estate is still growing in price. We haven't brought prices of housing down. We have to bring them down if we're going to get inflation under control and if we're going to ever see more of a reprieve in these uh, uh, high interest rates. I mean, if the cost of borrowing money is that high, people aren't going to borrow money. And without borrowing money, the economy stagnates. It doesn't grow. I mean, credit is a good thing if you use it wisely. If you can borrow, make money on your investments and pay those loans back. If you just borrow for the sake of borrowing because you can buy stuff like on credit cards and you can't afford 20 or 30% interest, that's a death wish financially. So you're never going to get ahead that way. But again, things are a little bit out of control. The Fed's probably going to still raise interest rates. They have to to get the economy slowed down. And it's really because the you know top half of the, the upper middle and, and, and upper class, the people that have money, you know, still aren't worried about it. And that's kind of a, an anomaly that hasn't happened in some of these cycles before. Jeff, before we continue, I want to take just a moment to remind our listeners how they can have a conversation with you and ask their questions about how the current economic conditions will affect their retirement journey. If you need answers, and I want you to request your no-cost, no-obligation Premier Retirement Roadmap by calling 520-780-9059. That's 520-780-9059. Now, when you call, you're going to get a friendly voice the other end of the line, more than likely Shelly, who will gather some basic information from you, then set you up with a conversation with Jeff to create a path towards your successful retirement. Now, remember, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could uncover some blind spots that, when addressed, may help improve your quality of life and a retirement that could last as long as 30 years. You'll get to ask Jeff your questions and get the answers you need to put you on the path to a successful retirement. Once again, that number, 520-780-9059, 520-780-9059, or request your complimentary consultation online at premret.com. That's P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com. Jeff, every week we talk about a case of the week, so I want you to talk about one that you had not only this past week, but maybe in weeks past, and show people exactly what you do, a problem that somebody came in with that you found a solution for. Well, it's, I'm going to put a little twist on it this time. It's actually a review client that I've had just recently that I've had to kind of walk through how these plans work. And this particular person kind of had some uh, misunderstandings or 
misgivings towards some of the index products that I use because of the way that it turns out in hindsight that they've produced. And here's really the, the context of a plan. And this is why we like to diversify and do complete plans here. Now, for some reason, this guy, I kind of let him come in and kind of fill in some gaps with a plan that he had because he's a trust kid and got a lot of money and, you know, going to get a lot of money and figure there's some future planning. We'll just kind of start where we're starting. But about indexed annuities, it's interesting, you know, the whole deal about index annuities is they go up when the market goes up and they don't go down if the market goes down. Isn't that a good thing? It's an awesome thing. Well, there's different ways to play these strategies. You need to know what's kind of in store. Now, this was about, this is a client came in about two years ago. Two years ago, interest rates were close to zero. Insurance companies that offer principal protected accounts would take that one or two or maybe a little bit more percent that they could make on your money. What they would do is they would protect your principal by putting it in safe places, typically treasuries, investment grade bonds, things that you have almost zero percent or very, very little percentage or even historical default rates and so forth. They take the interest and they invest in options on different indexes. And now they've they've come out with some really cool new hybrid indexes that are indexes of indexes where it's not just invested in the stock market. It's invested maybe in some bonds, maybe in foreign currencies, maybe in some commodities and different things like that. And these indexes can rotate to one index to another, depending on you know what's good, bad, or indifferent. Now, in the last two years, if you look at from two years ago to now, every stock market index is down a little bit. It's you know kind of bouncing back this year to get close to what it was a couple of years ago. The bond market is still down over 20%, and just about any type of bond you could buy except super short-term stuff. Foreign currencies are still down. Why? Because the dollar's still maintaining strength. Uh, we've got commodities. Some of that's going up, but profitability in a lot of these commodities isn't because energy got good, then it got bad, then it's getting good again. I mean, all these things are cyclical, and these products have to go along with the indexes. But it's interesting that, you know, Two years ago, we could choose different strategies. One is, okay, this strategy may pay you 2 or 3% and it locks in every year. Here's another strategy that locks in every two years, but your upside is 8 to 10% based on historical average rates of return. Well, typically, if you're only making 2% in a CD two years ago and you have a choice to wait two years on a historical rate of return of 8% as opposed to one of it has a historical return of 2 but locks in every year, wouldn't you pick the 2%? Well, most people do. Sometimes that 2% requires you know different type of leveraging and things like that. So for somebody that picked a 2% that said, hey, you know what? 2% on a CD is sucky. I'll give up 2% guaranteed or even 3% if I get lucky and lock in something over the next year. So what's happened is people need to understand what your choices are in these different type of markets. Two years ago, the market was still going good. Two years ago is really when the market peaked out. It hasn't really been back since then. It was July and August when the market kind of topped out. It went kind of flat for the rest of the year. And then in 2002 went down. So let's say you bought a one-year strategy at that point. Last year, you lost money or two years ago, the first year you would have lost money. So your index products with the principal guarantee would have remained flat. Okay. So you wouldn't have made that two or 3%. You, you would have made zero. Last year, because the market did rebound. Okay. Now you're up two or 3%. So you're up about 3% in two years. Now, if the market had performed, you would have been up eight plus another eight, let's say 16 or 18% in two years had the market performed. The only risk you take is really your strategy choice risk. Your principal is still good. Uh, your principal is still even. If you look at for the last two years, if that person had put money in the stock market, bond market, or any market, or even a combination of these markets, they'd have lost money. The principal protected products that we provide for protecting the life savings that you've earned 
our principal protected and still in a two-year period are ahead of where you would be had you chosen to be in virtually any index fund out there. That's variable, not to mention the fees that you might pay for the mutual fund, the ETF, or whatever it is that you get into. Even a Vanguard, a really low-fee Vanguard ETF that plays the S&P 500, which is a very popular you know, way to play the index, still has a fee. So, I mean, you're still out the fees. Bottom line is, in the last two years, every index annuity that we've placed has beat the indexes or the markets that we could have chosen. Now, if we would have bought an annuity at the bottom of the market last year, and that was our first year, you know, maybe in two years we're up. But here's the deal. You can't look at an entire life or retirement plan based on two flat years just because one of those years the market made money. If you want to make money this year or on the last year, you typically have to be willing to lose money the year before, right? Because you, you, you need to write it down and write it back up if you're going to get that money back. So again, I guess the, the case of the week is really short-sighted thinking. I mean, nearsighted, short-sighted thinking. A retirement plan isn't two years. But if we haven't lost money in two years, aren't you better off than if you had lost money in two years? You know, most of my clients, honestly, most of my clients are coming in and thanking me. But this, this client was confused. He goes, Jeff, I'm a little bit confused. Why isn't this making money? The market's doing so well right now. Well, wait a minute. If you want to be market correlated from start to finish, then you've got to be in the good and the bad if you want it that way. Or if you want to do what some clients do, is that is they rotate money. They take either a portion of their other trust money or maybe the CD that comes due and they buy another annuity on the anniversaries every year. So you get different starting points. And if that's the case, then you can ladder these strategies to where every year, a two-year or every year, a one-year strategy is locking in some gains and you can diversify amongst the strategies. But if you just park and hold for two years, you've got to compare it to the market over two years. If you park and hold for one year, you got to compare it to the market in that one year. And you can look at it on a year-to-year basis, but then again, we have to say, oh, but wait, this is a 10-year contract. Shoot, we've got four more two-year periods where we can make 8 to 10% on a, something as safe as a CD. And typically, the market doesn't go bad for all 10 years. Even in the last decade of 2000 to 2010, the market was down, a, depending on what anniversaries you want to pick, the most you could have got was five negative years and five good years. Well, if you didn't lose any money on the five negative years, or if you had two two-year periods that were negative, three two-year periods that were positive, in 10 years, you still made money and you still beat CDs and you still beat everything else you could have in a safe basis. So again, look at these plans as a long-term. You have to have that long-term, hey, this is a retirement plan that's got to last me for 30 years. In the bad times, I'm not going to lose money. But in the good times, you know, I might have to be a little bit patient and make sure that they're good for a reasonable period of time before we start getting worried about you know, not keeping up with our plan. The plans are still intact. They still work. Now, here's the other thing I will say. Now that the market is fluctuating wildly up and down, we typically are not using two-year strategies right now. Guess why? Well, because uh, we like to lock in even a little bit. And here's why we also like one-year strategies right now. In the last two years, the stock market has been flat, but interest rates have gone from close to zero to four or five percent. You know, the insurance companies are now making four or five percent on your money and can invest way differently than they could two years ago. People who are purchasing new indexed products that are principal guaranteed have upside at two to three times the amount of what the upside used to be. You know, if it used to be on a one-year product that you could make, uh, you know, two to three percent, now you make six to seven on a good year or eight or nine. We've got index caps that used to be at three percent, meaning if the market goes up, you get the first three, but that's all you get. But hey, that was still better than a one and a half percent CD. So you thought you had a better chance. So it still worked out better over a period of time. Well, now some of those caps are nine, 10 and 11 percent. So you can, if the market goes up 10 or 11, you get 10 or 11 and it locks in every year. 
if you want to wait two years or three years, some of these strategies, you know, if we back test and look at what the market, even in, in uh, volatile times will do, is you can make well over 10% if history repeats. Again, these are long-term plans. So when you come in and get that long-term plan, and I, I, I guess the reason I want to change this is we build a plan for your entire retirement. We're going to protect your money through good and bad times. Well, and here's the other thing. As we see interest rates rise like they are now, we're taking some of that money that isn't working or even new money or even savings, some of the interest or even the free withdrawal availability amounts from the older annuities and we move them into the new annuity. So we're dollar cost averaging into a much better paying principal protected product. If you go along with the plan and continue to upgrade dollar cost average into the better indexed principal protected products, you're going to do better over time than if you say, oh, well, I can get 4% guaranteed in a CD for the next two years. I'm just going to park it there and then we'll see what happens in the next two. Well, that may or may not profit you, but you know, if you can get an insurance company that can make you that same 4 or 5%, but double or triple it because they're using indexed type strategies, okay, you might have a bad year or two. You might actually have a CD beat an index annuity every once in a while. I don't believe, and I haven't seen a period in history where the best index annuities haven't beat the best CDs and the worst index annuities haven't beat the worst CDs. But typically, you know, if you're just looking at a one year to year plan, you're looking for a different advisor than me. We are not looking at one year of your life. We are looking at preserving your assets during every year of your life to the best of our ability. But we're also looking at steady long-term growth with income that you can count on, with guarantees to the extent that you need them or want them, and risk down to a level that you can tolerate and not lose sleep, not blow up from the inside out emotionally because the markets aren't reacting the way that you want them to, to react. Jeff, based on our conversation here about your case of the week, I'm willing to bet that our listeners have some questions about creating a retirement plan, if you will, that could stand the test of time in a retirement that could last 30 years, not just two years. So if you need answers, we invite you to call us and request your complimentary Premier Retirement Roadmaps. Just a friendly conversation with Jeff. It'll cover a wide range of topics based on your individual situation so that you can proactively adjust your financial plan to address your retirement journey and any blind spots that may hinder you from reaching your goal. That number is going to be 520-780-9059. That's 520-780-9059. You can also request your plan online at primret.com. That's P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com. Want more strategies to support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Stick around. There's more Premier Retirement with Jeff Bogan after this. You can't start a trip you've never taken without a plan. And you can't start your retirement journey without a comprehensive plan to get there safely. To request your no-cost Premier Retirement Roadmap, call 580-780-9059 or request it online at premret.com. Now back to more Premier Retirement with Jeff Ogan and Jeff Shea. Welcome back to Premier Retirement with Jeff Ogan, founder and president of Premier Retirement Planning and Wealth Management. If you're just joining us and you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Premier Retirement with Jeff Ogan. You'll find this show and many of our past shows so you can stay on top of your wealth and your path towards a successful retirement. Once again, if you've got questions about anything that we've talked about on the show today, you want to get your Premier Retirement Roadmap, a financial consultation with Jeff, no cost, no obligation. Call 520-780-9059. You can do it today. 520-780-9059 or go out to the website. Check the firm out at premret.com, P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com and make your appointment from there. Jeff, time for listener questions this week. We'll start off with Marcus in Tucson. Marcus writes, I'm 60 years old, single, and want to retire at 67. 
I have a 401k at my employer, but want to invest on my own for retirement. I want to know what sectors of the market I should be investing in and the percentages in each sector for proper diversity. Rather broad question there. Well, it's rather uh, light and information. I have no idea how much is in your 401k now. I don't know how much you make. I don't know how much you can put away. I don't know how much your employer matches on the 401k. It might be a better deal to take free money. Let's just cover some basic information that kind of crossed my mind as I uh, uh, heard this question. First of all, you're 60 years old and want to retire at 67. Let's just assume you have a million dollars in your 401k now. If you were to maximize your contributions, and depending on how generous your employer is, you can, at age 60, you can actually put up over 70000 a year into your 401k. You can do 33000 I think it is, by the time you max out yours, and then the match can be even higher than that from the employer. Probably isn't. Let's just say you put thirty-five or 40000 with the match into your 401k. That gives you another $280,000 that you can dollar cost to average in over the next seven years, if my math is correct. Plus gains, let's just say over the next seven years, because you dollar cost average in and the market averages, you know, six or eight percent, you know, that puts you somewhere close to on a compounded rate and a dollar cost averaging rate. We like volatility, by the way, in dollar cost averaging. We like the market to go down because you get to buy cheaper. Uh, we don't like it uh, on the other million dollars you've already saved, however. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to address that in a minute. But for the new money, let's just say you put uh, that uh, 30 plus thousand of your own money a year away in your 401k, and then you get matched and you just go strictly market investments, just strictly stock market. Now, over time, typically the market will outperform other investments. Just go indexes. They're cheap. They're easy. Uh, I wouldn't do something that's managed and has high fees. You can probably look at your 401k uh, options and decide, you know, what that means. There's probably just a, a pure S&P or pure market type of a, an investment. You might, might want to diversify into maybe small cap, mid cap, large caps, and maybe a little bit of foreign just to get a broad diversification of the stocks. They have the biggest upside, also the most volatility and the, the highest low side. And that's why I would only do that with your new money. You know, 3000 a month or whatever you're putting away, your dollar cost average in the market, and you probably have somewhere around four or $500,000, you know, if things don't just keep tanking every year or stay flat for the next seven years. And if not, you'll have about three hundred. So let's just say between three and $500,000, you'll have a nice little nest egg of extra money. But what if this million dollars that you already have in your 401k, you can take off the table, keep it invested in a variety of indexes that another company who's smarter than you and I, because they have access to the markets and a lot of inside information, insight information, not inside as an insider, as in uh, illegal, but right. let's just call it better insight, better money to buy information and understand what's going on with uh, things. So they can take your money. Insurance companies can take your money and build you a pension. I just uh, compared a pension from a guy that has a government pension actually through his government retirement plan. And they offered an annuity where if he gives his $680,000 to the uh, annuity company, he'll get a joint life payout to him and his wife of about $28,000 a year. And that's just starting in two years. If he puts it into one of these principal protected accounts that guarantees income. Oh, by the way, if you do that with the other company and you both get hit by a bus, the 680000 and the remainder of it's gone. However, if you live to a hundred, well, you might get a million or so out of it because you know they're paying you interest on your money. Or you could do a private pension through one of these type of things that I'm talking about, and you can get an income from that of much higher. In his case, it was $40,000, not $28,000. So it's a $12,000 a year raise, $1,000 extra a month to spend out of that pension by doing it privately. Oh, and by the way, that six eighty dollars over the next several years can continue to grow. And if he doesn't spend money out of principal, now that $40,000 is guaranteed. So if the market never grows, 
okay, he spends principal. But if the market continues to do well in the indexes that he's investing in, that the company's using, and you know they rotate between indexes depending on where the momentum is at any given time, they do that on their own. They do it for you. You don't have to make those decisions. Your advisor doesn't have to try to guess and outtime the market. They're algorithm-based. But bottom line is these index products will do all the index picking and timing for you. And if they do what they've done in the past, you know, six or eight percent is kind of pretty conservative estimate, which most people are happy to get six or eight percent on an average rate of return, even considering the volatility of a stock and bond market over the course of retirement. But this has no volatility. If you can make that kind of money, it's very possible that uh, you still have five, six hundred thousand or even a million dollars in that account later after you've been taking 40,000 out per year. Well, what could that extra half million to a million dollars do for you? You can access it to spend on long-term care. You can access it to spend on uh, trips and fun and other stuff if you you know end up not needing the income because of things are paying your bills. You can also tap it for emergencies. You can also leave it to your heirs where you can't do that with the typical pensions that are offered through uh, companies. So my point is, is there's ways for you to take that money that you've already saved over the last 60 years off the table and create a really good income stream. In fact, that account would be valued roughly for an income income account basis, a million dollars would be close to a $2 million payout. It would be close to uh, somewhere between eighty dollars to $100,000 in guaranteed income for life, regardless of how markets do. Now, that would be really hard-pressed for you to continue to average to the, um, the million you have plus the uh, money that you're going to put in and guarantee that kind of income for life. Oh, and still have half a million dollars to play with if you want to for just rainy days fun or investing in the market or long-term legacy planning or whatever. So bottom line is, you know, I'd say rather than say how much stocks, bonds, and other things should you have, this is if you use some of these indexing techniques that we do through uh, principal protected accounts, you can get quite a nice diversification between sectors, but take no risk on the principal. That's like the best of both worlds. So it's being done for you. As far as the new money, dollar cost average into aggressive stuff. That's how we get, you know, wealthy, right? That's how you've gotten wealthy so far. I'm guessing you've been largely involved in market correlated assets during the last 40 years that you've been working or however long it's been or the 30 that you've had the 401k and you've probably grown a nice little nest egg. Now, outside of the investment, how about we consider something that uh, if you're taking money that you've already paid taxes on, I would recommend that you don't put it in anything that you're going to defer taxes on or have to pay taxes on when you sell it later. What about LERPs? Again, we're going to talk about life insurance. Yeah, I do like life insurance companies. They're safer. They give good upside. Now, this hasn't always been the case. Life insurance wasn't always my first pick for retirement planning a long time ago. It's becoming a lot better because more of my clients uh, are in higher income practice and need more tax planning, but they also need more. I've learned over the years that they like the predictable income and the security that investment products, that investment products that are insured, secured, and guarantee against losing principal, you know, provide the peace of mind that people want in retirement. You know, plus the performance has really gotten better and better over the years. So, you know, why not look at a place, even though Wall Street would indoctrinate us to be different, and I'm not against Wall Street. I just told you to keep investing in Wall Street products, investing in the market, dollar cost average in. I'm not against that. I'm just looking at that as the, uh, do it the right way in the right amounts. The rest of it, every time you get a chunk of money, take it off the table, put it in something safe that's going to guarantee your future income that you can count on, live on, and give you that peace of mind that you need. Anything that you've already paid taxes on would be a good idea, in my opinion, to put in a LERP. I just had a doctor come in recently, and I guess this could have been the case of the week, and I'll just add that to my uh, case of the week point, mm-hmm. is uh, she makes 500000 a year and she spends $100,000. She, she's got two or $300,000 by the time she's done after paying 150000 a year in taxes that she can invest. Well, if she invested in stock market mutual funds and other stuff, she's just amassing this big portfolio 
that, by the way, she left a, a company that was paying her about 100000 which was enough to live on, got her own business, and now she's killing it. Mm-hmm. She's got about 10 or 12 years that she can work. So she can build a nest egg. She has no nest egg right now, but she can build one. She could dollar cost average in the market, or she can dollar cost average in the index products. But here's the cool thing. If she did a LERP, she could get to a situation where she, in 10 or 12 years, she has $200,000 in tax-free income for the rest of her life, regardless of Social Security, pensions, or anything at risk, and never pay tax again. How would that be? She's already paying taxes at the top tax bracket right now based on a single person taxpayer. But I like the fact that if you've already paid taxes and you've got extra money that you're not using, don't stick it in the bank at low interest or at low interest that you have to pay tax on every year or mutual fund that you have to pay taxes on every year. You don't even know what kind of trades are being made or what your tax problems are going to be at the end of the year. Stocks and bonds are going to be taxed in the future at some rate if you sell them based on capital gains rates or interest or dividends that you collect along the way. So I really love tax-free planning for that extra money that you're going to do on your own. So Marcus in Tucson, I would say take the profits off the table that you already have in your 401k, solidify an income stream that you can guarantee and see exactly what those numbers are going to be at a very minimum rate and maybe even a possible higher rate in seven years when you retire. Use the market to dollar cost average in for all the new money and max out at least the employer's match because you want all the free money you can get. And then on the extra money, because you're making more than you're living on right now, stuff that into Alert. That's a tax-free money machine that'll take care of you for the rest of your life, give you long-term care protection in your later years when you need it, give you a death benefit that's tax-free to your spouse, your kids, or anybody else you love that you want to leave money to. And that's kind of the allocation of the proper diversity, in my opinion, is how about a third, third, third? Have a third that's market-based, a third that's market-based with no risk, and a third that's tax-free with market-based upside. Market, we appreciate you listening to us in Tucson, and thank you for that question. And we'll be sending you out Jeff's book, Retirement the Road Ahead. Jeff, our next question is Brenda in Rancho Vistoso, who writes, I'm 71, retired, and in good health. Several of my ancestors have lived to be 100 or more, and I might do that too. But I'm having trouble living off my meager pension and Social Security. I have about $600,000 in investments, and I'm trying to avoid taking too much out of them. You see, I hope to leave something to my kids in my will, and there's always that rainy day. I'm worried about running out of money, and I'm not much of a risk taker. The majority of my money is in bond funds that pay me about $15,000 a year. One of my friends suggested that I buy an annuity, but my husband always told me to avoid investments from insurance companies. What do you think? Well, I'm assuming based on this, your husband always told you, but he's not telling you. I'm guessing that you're single at this point, either you're a widow or divorced, but whatever. Sounds like you're single. Now, first of all, your husband's information was probably very old. Annuities have changed. There's a lot of new things that weren't even around probably when he was giving you that advice. And the other thing is, is that's advice that we get from Wall Street firms that don't want you to move to a competitive asset class. I get that. Now, you wouldn't find uh, an insurance company tell you not to buy an annuity. They like them. I mean, they offer them. They have uh, features and benefits that, you know, you don't get in the stock market. Now, when you were in your 40s, maybe when your husband was telling you don't buy an annuity, or when you, even in your 50s or 60s, when you're still averaging into the market, the market was doing well, and, you know, you were still growing your assets, it might not have been the right time for an annuity. But at 71, I just did uh, an annuity, speaking of annuities, if you're trying to get guaranteed income with a potential, even something to your kids. Now, by the way, let me back up and just say, you're more important to your retirement plan than your kids. I, I get it. We want to always leave something to our kids. We want to have our cake and eat it too. But don't scrimp and ruin your own life just because you want to leave your kids something. 
I mean, who knows? Once you die and leave your kids something, they might just waste it or spend it stupidly anyway, and you would have wished you had a better life. Or my opinion is if you want to leave kids something, leave them some memories. Get a good income you can count on, make that you can live on a little bit less, and every couple of years, maybe you take a nice vacation with the kids and grandkids and enjoy some memories and call that the inheritance. That's not a, a bad idea in my opinion. Now I'm just stating my values. That might not be anything like yours. Maybe you just want to leave them a big chunk of change. But you know, if you're having trouble living off your meager social security and you need your 600000 I would not be in the position of, but I really need to save some for my kids. Let's see what that 600000 does for you. And if there's anything left, great, they get it. You probably have a home. Maybe that could be the legacy that you leave them. That home, if it's worth half a million dollars right now, probably worth be a million and a half by the time you pass away in 30 years, especially if you live over 100, maybe it's worth 2 million. By the way, uh, just to give you some perspective, that 15,000 you're getting a year on bond funds, that's just the interest that you're spitting out, or it could be just the withdrawals that you're taking. If those bond funds are down 20% like they used to be, in other words, if those bond funds used to be worth, let's say $800,000 a few years ago, and now they're worth $600,000, because you've got $15,000 of income coming from and they keep on losing value, then you're on a train wreck course anyway. Uh, you need to not take the risk on the principal, offload that risk to somebody else that does bonds. That's just what insurance companies do. They manage bonds, but they don't risk your principal and they don't let your principal values drop. They basically keep giving you that value. What they do is they use the interest, that 15000 a year that maybe you're taking home. What they would do is they would reinvest that $15,000 and make you forty or fifty. How would you like to put the $600,000 in an investment that's secured by the same bonds and investments very similarly to what you're doing, only have someone who's even smarter at it than you and I are, that can pick better bonds, better portfolios, manage billions of dollars in portfolio of assets, and be able to leverage the interest to triple that to forty-five or 50000 How would that be? If you're getting, let's just say, $2,000 on your meager Social Security pension, or let's just say you're making 3000 between pension and Social Security, but you need six to live on. Well, that 15000 is, you know, barely, that's coming at another twenty. so it sounds to me like you're really living on about 4000 a month. Well, what if you could live on five or 6000 a month and have an extra couple thousand a month to have discretionary income from and still be guaranteed never to run out of money? And whatever's left in that account goes to your heirs. What's wrong with that? Or just take 500000 of that 600000 leave leave 100000 liquid for fun or just emergency purposes or speculation purposes, try to hit some home runs, and you know make $40,000 worth of lifetime income on the rest of it and be guaranteed that whatever's left will go to your heirs along with you know whatever equity you have in your home, assuming you have a home. So I think annuities, the new annuities, the way that they're paying guaranteed income and the way that they're able to manage money, especially in a much higher interest rate environment now than we were in even a couple of years ago, like I was talking about a few minutes ago, now is a great time to use annuities that can leverage the interest that you can lock in nowadays compared to what you could lock in a few years ago or even maybe over the last decade or so. And so that might be the reason that your husband didn't really like the upside of annuities. I get that. I've always liked the safety. I've always liked the income potential. But, you know, like your husband, annuities have a bad reputation and there's many of them I would not recommend to you either. And there's times in your life that annuities don't make sense. I think right now, based on what you just said, you might really want to look at an annuity and maybe your friend has already been to us and maybe that's why she recommended you look at an annuity because she might be one of our clients and uh, I assume your friend's a girl, but maybe you ought to at least look into it because that friend might have already used them and says, huh, they're safe, they go up in value, they give me income. You know, maybe this is what Brenda needs. So if that's what you need, come in and we can explore the opportunities that are out there on, you know, what annuity might provide the benefits that you're looking for. And if it makes more sense than the risk that you're taking in a bond fund and the low interest and the low income that you're getting off of it.
Brenda, we appreciate you listening to us in Rancho Vistoso. That number, 520-780-9059, if you want to talk to Jeff about your individual situation. And by the way, if you're listening to these questions of the week and you haven't gotten one into us, you can do that by sending it to us at primrat.com. P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com if we use your question on the air. Of course, we will send you out Jeff's book, Retirement, The Road Ahead. Once again, that number, 520-780-9059. If you'd like your no-cost, no-obligation retirement roadmap with Jeff, just a friendly conversation to get your questions asked about managing wealth and getting you on the path to retirement. By the way, a retirement that could last 30-plus years. You don't want to run out of money. You want to make sure that you're going to be living the lifestyle that you want in retirement. So let Jeff sit down and help design a plan to get you where you need to be. Once again, that number, 520-780-9059. You can also request your plan online at premret.com. That's P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com. Well, Jeff, the calendar is going to be turning 2024 here in a few months. And of course, the Trump era tax cuts and jobs act is going to be expiring at the end of 2025. And it can creep up on us pretty darn quickly here. So what are some of the things that should be sunsetting at the end of 2025 as far as these tax cuts go? And furthermore, how can we prepare for them to end and will they end? Well, I think they will end. I think any administration is going to have a hard time, uh, you know, with the national debt being as high as it is, not thinking that taxes have to go up or at least sunset and go back to what they were before. Now, there has been times before when sunsets were uh, in place and the new administration just says, ah, just keep them in place. We don't want to rock the boat. Just, you know, let it go. Uh, There was a time uh, Bush had it. And I think Obama, you know, didn't sunset them and just said, ah, just keep it going as it is. Let's, we got plenty of other things on our agenda to mess with. Anyway, The sunset is planned to go away in 2025, meaning in 2026, the tax brackets go back to where they were. Now, it might or might not be. There's different philosophies or predictions on this. But if they go back to where they were before Trump lowered them, the standard deduction goes back to around $12,000 instead of, for a married couple, instead of twenty-five dollars or $28,000. It's close to $28,000 now. But there is a thing called personal exemptions, which typically, depending on you know income and other things, you get another four or five thousand dollars potentially in deductions there too. So I mean, we'll probably still go back instead of being about twenty-eight. There might still be around twenty thousand in a standard deduction-ish type deduction. But here's the big deal: right now, you can make close to three hundred fifty thousand in taxable income. Three hundred fifty thousand in taxable income, just shy of that, and pay tax at a marginal tax bracket on the upper portion of that, roughly half of it, at 24%. When the Trump tax cuts or the sunset goes away, the old rules showed the tax brackets change for a couple at roughly $75,000, and that would be your 25% marginal tax bracket. Consider that, paying 25, 28, or 30% or more on your money on income that you make over and above $75,000. So right now, in the last seven or eight years, the last five or six years, eight years total, we've had some incredible opportunities to convert IRA money or any pre-tax money that you've made before, or just not take a deduction, do some Roth contributions, pay taxes now at 22 or 24% instead of pay at 25 or higher later. If you pay taxes now at that lower amount, you have some cash in the bank. Now don't pay it with the deductions out of that account itself because we want all that money to grow tax-free. Or you can take the IRA money, pull it out, put it in a LERP, life insurance retirement plan, never pay tax again, and let that account grow continually for the rest of your life. And you get to borrow against that growth instead of take the money out. So on a Roth, you put money in account, it grows tax-free. And when you take it out, you get to spend it, but the money actually comes out of your account. 
On a LERP, you put your money in after tax. It grows tax-free, but it continues to grow because you never actually take the money out. You borrow against it, typically at the same or lower rate as the account makes. So if you want to uh, look at the options between Roth and LERP or, or look at the, the, the opportunities to take advantage of the next three years that we have in tax planning, you know, if you're making $100,000 a year taxable, but you could go up to uh, 350, just in the next three years alone, you could pull out $750,000 of extra money out of 401ks or IRAs. If you're at an age where you can do that without penalty, Pay taxes now. Let's say you have a CD that's only making a couple of percent and you got a couple hundred thousand dollars to pay all the taxes on it. Once you take that money out and pay the taxes on it, you'll never pay tax again. Now, $750,000 that you can take out now will probably generate somewhere between over $2 million in tax-free income over the course of your lifetime in a typical scenario. Now, of course, your age, ability to be insured and other things are going to take a are going to be taken into consideration. But bottom line is there are many opportunities to do tax planning based on the fact that our taxes are really on sale right now compared to what they will be. And I think once the tax sunsets and goes back to the old rules, there's going to be new ways that the government, especially if the regime that's in controlling things right now continues to be able to manipulate elections and do whatever they take to get into power to keep that power. I know I sound like a wacko, don't I? Um, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you know, if they continue to somehow dupe the people into voting for them yeah. or dupe the truckers to bring them loads of ballots, whatever it is that gets them elected, I, I'm still uh, unsure about how that all went down. But <laughs> it just blows my mind that we've actually elected these people that are in charge to be in charge. If they continue to be in charge, then I just don't see any scenario where we're not going to be in a higher tax bracket, especially if you're even considered marginally wealthy. What's marginally wealthy to those guys? I know they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but they're going to say, oh, you're rich. You're making over $100,000 and you're retired. You don't need all your money. Oh, you don't need your Social Security when the trust fund goes broke in 2023. Oh, you, you don't need all that. I mean, surely you, you peons can live on a lot less, even though we're trading millions and billions of dollars with each other and getting our kickbacks and our you know corrupt uh, Ponzi schemes that we're lining up and our you know contributions and our foundations and our different things that we do to, to get rich on your backs with taxpayer money, you know, we're, we're, we're going to limit what you can earn and what you can keep. And I think there's going to be higher taxes ahead. So everything you can take off the table and stuff into a stealth account, the better. I like Ross. Yeah, they're a good step in the right direction. I really like LERPs, life insurance retirement plans. We're dealing with death benefits. We're dealing with tax-free um, death benefits. These rules have not changed in 40 years. No rule has changed on an insurance policy in 40 years. By the way, guess who's using them? All the rich people that are putting the people that are in office in office. I don't see LERP laws changing or the tax accountability on the LERPs ever changing. And every time there's ever been a change in tax code involving insurance products, everything prior has been grandfathered. There's never been a time when it's like, oh, we're changing the rules on what you bought 10 years ago. So if you think in the future they're going to change that, I would say jump in and look at a LERP, look at those life insurance benefits of tax-free planning, uh, tax-free retirement planning now, rather than after you hear that they're going to change the laws or that they already changed the laws, then there's really not a whole lot of options for you. There's only the options where the government gets to look at your money, look at your income and take what they want. If you're just joining us, this is Premier Retirement with Jeff Vogan. We've been talking about the end of the Trump era tax cuts and what it means to you. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast. Search for Premier Retirement with Jeff Vogan. You're going to get this show and all of our past shows so you can stay on top of your wealth and your path to a successful retirement. Once again, if you'd like to get in and sit down with Jeff and talk about your retirement journey, have Jeff take a look at what you've got to try to get you where you need to be in retirement. Call this number 520 780 
520-980-9059 and request your complimentary Premier Retirement Roadmap. Once again, that number 520-780-9059. You can also request your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation roadmap online at premret.com. That's P-R-E-M-R-E-T.com. Jeff, we are out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but certainly most of all, thank our fine listeners right here in the greater Tucson area for joining us here each weekend. For Jeff Ogan, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Premier Retirement right here on 790 KNST, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Investment advisory services provided through Premier Wealth Advisors, LLC, an Arizona state registered investment advisor. Securities transactions are placed through TD Ameritrade. Insurance and annuity products are offered through Premier Advantage, Inc., DBA Premier Retirement Planning and Wealth Management. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the insurance carrier. The show is intended for informational purposes only only and is not to be construed as advice or recommendations. Due to show format, accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Premier Retirement and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice and may only conduct business with residents of states and jurisdictions where they're properly registered.